The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Danny Cannell. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and everywhere you get your podcast on demand. Thanks for hanging out. Smash the subscribe. Smash the like. Come and join us in the chat. Lots of great comments. Everyone doing their own. Upon further review from the weekend. That's right. It's what we do here on a Mondays. Upon further review, our chance to go back at the weekend that was headlines, comments, thoughts, uh, storylines that we were not able to hit in the instant reaction show that we circle back and we do them here on Mondays. Also, with a fresh batch of polls New AP Top 25 poll. We like to take a look at it. The big movers, maybe some questionable decisions. We like to call it poll assassin. Uh, All that and so much more. But yesterday, if you saw those sirens in your feed, you knew exactly what that means. It is that Michigan State has suspended Mel Tucker indefinitely as it awaits the conclusion of a Title IX investigation into allegations of sexual harassment. Now, Bud and I, I think, covered this extensively in terms of all the different parts of it, but one piece of this conversation that I think you know we can continue to play forward rather than trying to play judge and jury of the actual hearing is to first assume if Mel Tucker is not going to be the head coach of Michigan State for another game, then what is the path forward for Michigan State? Where do you view this job? We had some names on the show that we're going to spend way too long just throwing names at the board. But I like the big picture thought here. So, Tom, when you think about the Michigan State job in an expanded Big Ten, what do you think the market is going to be like? What kinds of candidates are you keeping your eye on? I don't have any specific candidates off the top of my head. 
but Michigan State is a Big Ten school that makes a lot of money and will have a lot of money to spend. I don't know if you're aware, but they gave Mel Tucker $95 million after one good season. So it's not like they have a shortage of cash to throw around. That said, Luke Fickle is at Wisconsin. A few years ago, Michigan State had an opening. Mark D'Antonio kind of left under some odd circumstances. And they went after Luke Fickle. And Luke Fickle was considering the job, but the closer he looked at, and this is this is just, you know, this isn't, I'm not saying this for sure, but you know, the the the, the reporting you got at the time. Luke Fickle looked at the job, looked at the athletic department, didn't like what he saw, decided to pass on it, went back to Cincinnati, waiting for another Big Ten opening to, you know, come that he found more suitable, which is a pretty risky thing because, you know, Big Ten jobs don't always make offers to you, and there was no guarantee he was going to have the success he had at Cincinnati. But he made that decision, ended up at Wisconsin. A lot of the things that concerned him about the Michigan State Athletic Department don't seem to have gone away, considering... Now, I, I don't know what has happened here. I We don't know any of the actual details. We don't know the situation, as Bud mentioned on the show yesterday. We're going to have to wait for all this stuff to come out. They're going to have their quote-unquote day in court to explain everything. There's a lot of bad stuff that happens in that athletic department, man. It's not a coincidence at this point, the scandals that have taken place in East Lansing. At least I don't think it could be a coincidence at this point that these things keep happening. So whoever ends up getting this job is probably going to want some assurances. Is probably going to want a little more security in that. But as far as the football program itself, you can win at Michigan State. There have been three Big Ten teams to reach the college football playoff in the 14 playoff era. Michigan State is one of them. Obviously, USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington coming in kind of impacts Michigan State's ceiling. So at the same time, you're getting out of the East where you have to deal with Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State. You've got a couple more big-name programs coming in. So... It's probably more of a middle-of-the-pack Big Ten job than it was a couple years ago, but a middle-of-the-pack Big Ten job is still very attractive to a football coach. We we said 6-11 to range, basically. Like, there's a hard cap top five. And there's, what, a bottom five for sure? And Michigan State's not going to be bottom five. Correct, and they're not top five. They're somewhere between 6th and 11th. Depending on how they're running at any given time. Uh, Danny, what's what's your read on the situation again? I I don't think that trying to project out exactly what's happened here is as important as us taking stock of a Michigan State team that is not going to have its head coach probably for the rest of the season. And unfortunately, hey, listen, I'm waiting on the call, okay? The Cover 3 search firm is here to undercut all your other executive search firms. We will do it for less and give you the same results. It's our promise here at the Cover 3 search firm. Danny, there you go. We need to we need to start getting on that, start charging people for it. Uh, this is one of the wildest, unbelievable, bizarre stories. I think I've and we've seen our share of them in college football. I guess this just kind of falls into this wacky sport that we cover. It's you know the gamut. You know the the reaction ran the gamut from how could you be this dumb to like it, you can't even make this up. Just the connections that are there. We'll see how it unfolds. Um, do they go? Do they go to where they got Mel Tucker? <laughs> Go get Sean Lewis. No, <laughs> he, no, he means go. Sean Lewis would be a good hire. Actually, yeah, he and he probably will be in the market. I have no idea where they're going to go. Um, you know, it's interesting. D'Antonio named assistant head coach. Somebody pointed out there. I mean, is there? There's no chance that happens, right? I'm not yeah, there's some chance. Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, that would probably be the one that the fans would like the most. You bring back some stability, you know, a guy who's won there. But I'm totally agreeing with all you guys are saying. Like, it's a middle, mid, middle of the pack Big Ten job, which is still a great job in all of college football because they'll pay you a boatload of money and you can win in cycles. Like, if you get the right recruiting class, the right quarterback, you catch your window, you know, those other schools may have a down year and 12 team playoff. You don't have to, you got to finish top three, top four, maybe. You know, it also like it depends what you want to do too. like, what are you trying to be? Because if you look at it, obviously it was a very different landscape, but Michigan State had a lot of success under Mark D'Antonio when it was more of a developmental program. It goes and gets Mel Tucker to be more of the recruiting kind of program, and it's very inconsistent in its results to this point so far. So I think Michigan State, the first thing they need to do is figure out who they want to be as a football program and then get a coach that suits that idea. Because I, I, you, you can't just, I don't know. It's, you have to figure out, you have to look at this new landscape and figure out what your path is to get to where you want to be, which is to be a team that once again, gets to the playoff and competes for big 10 titles. Can, can you compete on the same level as Ohio state, Michigan, USC, realistically, no matter who you hire, I doubt it. I don't think that there's a problem in going back to being a developmental program. You know, mm-hmm. when you're thinking about the reason why we put the hard cap at top five is because of, in part, the recruiting success that those top five programs are going to have. So zig then zag. If you can get to a place where you get old and stay old, and some of that might be recruiting the transfer portal, right? Like mm-hmm. being able to bring in older players, uh, grad transfers to solidify your roster at key positions. That, Going developmental route might be a, a good path for the Spartans when they're thinking about their candidates. It's also the retention of your players via the use of NIL. Th- think about who Michigan State lost off this team. Like they, Granted, I'm not really sure they miss Peyton Thorne right now. If you ask Auburn fans, they, they, they'd probably – well, I, I don't know. He went and won the culture war, kind that, of. Okay, that's that's fair. Uh, like Ashford contributed as well, but yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, so you can be a developmental program, but you need to keep your players – via NIL for sure like you may not be playing the NIL high school game but you may not be playing the NIL portal acquisition game but you need to be playing the retention game if you have Big Ten money it's a very good point Um, all right we'll wrap with a question Mike jumped in the chat uh, 30 minutes before we got going so we appreciate all of y'all who get the conversation started with each other and with us we're gonna go Mike says quick yes no on the following head coaches for Michigan State uh, Jake Dickert, Jason Candle, Tom Herman. I'm going to go no, no, no. You don't Undetermined think they'd be good the for the job? Or? I definitely would not hire Jason Candle. I think he's yeah, not hiring Candle. Mac like crazy. And I don't think Tom Herman – no, I, I don't want Tom Herman at Power 5. I, I, I don't think he did a very good job at Texas. I don't think he handled the overall organization very well. And they just laid a complete egg against Ohio at home. So Jake Dick, yeah, my, my, they didn't score an offensive touchdown. I'm right there with you on Jason Candle, Tom Herman, probably you know better where he's at. And then my Jake Dickert is small sample size. You're Michigan State. You're a bit middle of the pack Big Ten job. Go get somebody with more head coaching experience. Something we hammered home yesterday yeah. that you've got to find at a program like Michigan State, someone who's used to running a huge operation, not just coaching a football team. Jake Dickert looks like he's a great coach of a football team. We need somebody who's got more experience with the big scale stuff that you have at Michigan State. I mean, we were talking about them going and basically buying, aside from like Sean Lewis, I think we threw out uh, Leipold, Kleiman, Elko, DeBoer, Jonathan Smith. Mm -hmm. Like guys who are legit, and Stoops, obviously, if he thinks Kentucky's going to get tired of 
of him maximizing them all the time. And then uh, Iowa State guy, uh, Campbell. 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 I think they can go buy like buy their way to success here with the Big Ten money. I don't think you need to take a risk on some of these G five guys. Yeah, I, I'm, uh, my apologies to the Sunflower State, but my top two options, if I'm Michigan State, are both Leipold and Climate. Yeah. Danny, what do you got? Yes, say, no. I would say, well, Dickert kind of has positioned himself as this guy who's making the campaign for Washington State to be a power five. You know, like he's in a tough spot because if he leaves, it's like, oh, man, you got you left your program that you've been fighting for saying we're a program. I just think he's in a really tough spot to take that gig. So I would say no to him. I'd say no to Candle for the same reasons. For Herman, I'd say let's see how the season plays out because there is another coach who had you know Power Five experience, didn't work out, went to FAU one, and now is back at Ole Miss and doing pretty well. I thought Herman did pretty good at Texas. Now, clearly there were some off the field issues that cropped up with running the program of that size. But let's see what he does with FAU. If he turns it around and wins there, maybe he can learn from his experience at Texas. And uh, you know, revamp his career in, at another stop in the Big Ten. And he had, you know, somebody who knows the landscape, of course, of his tenure at Ohio State. Like he's familiar with the Big Ten there. So I would That's say fair. maybe on Tom Herman. Maybe on Tom Herman. All right. Uh, coming up on the other side, we like to look back at the new AP Top Twenty Five. Look at some of the big movements and break them down. We like to call it Pole Assassin. That and more next. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Get out your Halloween costumes and make sure that all pets are secured. It's time for Pole Assassin. All right. Uh, new AP Top 25 had a new team checking in at number four. That would be the Texas Longhorns up six spots uh, into the top four. Florida State moved up uh, as Alabama took a tumble down to number 10. Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, Texas, USC, that is your new top five. Ohio State dropped a couple of spots in the reshuffling. Tennessee takes a, a couple spot tumble. Colorado continues its upward momentum up to number 18. Uh, North Carolina, Oklahoma fall in the in wins. Uh, Miami crashes the rankings. Washington State crashes the rankings. UCLA and Iowa as well. Um, what stands out from the new batch of rankings? Or if you want to go the route, uh, more specifically, some of the voting habits of the group whole lot of back in that top five. I know. You know what I thought looking at the top 10? I said, you know, like what's old is new again. Everything goes in cycles. We were just so beat into our heads that the top four was going to be unchanged or top five. Everything was Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Oklahoma, Ohio State. It's kind of awesome to see the the top 10 looking the way it looks. You know, Alabama at number 10 is going to make Crimson Tide fans crazy. But to get a Washington up there, to see that Penn State is peaking, that's 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 not what stands out to me. My question is, what it what is appropriate for Texas? Because there's I mean, two first place votes. There's six second place votes. There are 10 third place votes. 
There are 24th place votes. Naturally, that's where you're going to get the most of it, where Texas landed. But then there's eight fifth place votes, eight sixth place votes, five teams that only had them at five voters who only had them at number seven. One voter put them at eighth, and two, two voters had them at 10. Mm-hmm. So Chuck what's Landon and Mike Mazoliak. Who are yeah, the nine teams that you think have done a better job than Texas so far teams? this year? Yeah. So that, like, that's really inexcusable. I mean, like, like yeah. for, from both a power rating standpoint and a resume standpoint, ranking Texas at tenth is egregious, right? Like, like, all right, what do you got? Here's the thing, Mike. Chuck Landon of the Charleston Gazette Mail in Huntington, West Virginia, has Texas at ten. Do you know who he has at seven? Alabama. Alabama. The team that just lost by ten at home to Texas. He has ranked three spots ahead of Texas in his poll. Maybe he didn't watch this week. Maybe he just filed that. Yeah, maybe he used to You should lose his vote. Like that's idiotic. You know, like I mean, come on. Like we used to decide national champions on this kind of voting stuff before we had the ability to watch all these games on TV. Like I know most of us watch a bunch of stuff on Sunday and do the rewatch stuff. Like how would you guys how how do you got before? How do you guys assess them? Because, you know, I try to do it and I don't really because I don't stick to it because I tried it one time one year and people lost their minds like you would have Georgia probably just based on this year alone. Yes, they've looked good, but they haven't had a win. Same thing with Michigan. Like they've beaten everybody, but they haven't played anybody. So if you truly went off who have the best wins so far, you can make a case for Texas, Florida State, like you would have some of those teams. Now, I don't have a huge problem. Georgia back to back going for a three-peat. Michigan, same kind of, you know, back-to-back Big Ten champs. Why are you going to ding them for that? But so I'll do my top 12, like thinking outside the box. Let me try to do it a little more resume-based. And people are like, oh, you're going to look so dumb. And I'm like, this isn't a predictor for me. This is based on where you deserve to be right now, which, again, it kind of throws off a little bit because there's a little bit of, of love to Georgia and Michigan. But I'm always like, I'm, I'm not going to be wrong at all. Like, And I also think in that mindset, you've got to be willing to move teams down. Like Florida State, if they you know, they play Boston College, their schedule is a little weaker. I have no problem dinging them a little bit because we have that, that win becomes a little further in their rear view and they don't have multiple opportunities. And like in Ohio State, they could make a massive jump when if they beat Notre Dame, you know, week four. So like I like having a lot of fluidity, bringing a lot of teams in and out. And I just I, some of these teams like for a voter like that, does he think, oh, well, Texas isn't going to they're not going to back this up. So I'm going to leave them at 10 and Bama's going to be fine if they switch their quarterback, whatever. The, I don't know how you justify it, but I'm just like sometimes when I look at these rankings, I'm like, are people worried that they want to try to have it right at the end of the season or do they want to have it you know, right now? And I guess that's the beauty of it is anybody can decide any way they want to. Right. Which is why we send out 63 of them. Right. That was to, to be able to get like a decent balance where because there are um you know there are AP voters in the men's basketball poll I know who I don't know if they just I'm not gonna allege that they rip off Ken Palm, but they have their own power ratings and they say my power rating is my power rating and my one through twenty-five is essentially just a, a strength of of team rather than it being resume. I in general, I like to create some sort of balance of you know, team strength versus resume. And right now, Georgia is still my number one because of team strength. Now, as resume becomes more important and we've got more data points, now I'll start to talk about replacing Georgia with a Florida State or replacing Georgia with a Texas. 
because Georgia won't have wins that are as impressive. They get to five and zero, six and zero, seven and zero. Now it's almost like you got to you've got to start eliminating how much you factor in how talented the team is. And then it has to be, what does that team actually look like on Saturdays when we start to talk about the college football playoff and the big rankings that matter? I have no problem with people doing power ratings in these things this early in the season because we don't really have enough data points to create good rankings, right? I mean, like USC has played nobody so far, and they have crushed them, but it's but still – They've dog-walked like, them. They, they yeah. no doubt. No, they they, they certainly have. Uh, I, so I don't have a problem with using the power ratings this early. As you get along in the season, I do think you probably need to switch to more of a resume rank because otherwise, like, why are we playing the games, essentially? The worst way to do it is a predictive non-power rating way, which is – trying to guess what the order of finish will be at the end of the season, because that's like basically way factoring in schedule that has not been played yet. Like that, I, I know what you guys are suggesting there. That's just a really flawed methodology in voting. You, you can't be like, all right, well, they have two tough games coming up, so I'm going to drop them because I don't think they'll be here after those games. Well, guys, are you going to drop them again once they lose those games? That's kind of crazy. So, yeah, some – some amalgamation of power ratings and resume to this point makes sense. Predicting what the final record will be is is really not a great way to do this, I I don't think, because you're going to end up double counting. Anything um, below five is irresponsible for the Texas Longhorns. Yes, they've got, one, they've got the Easily. best win in college football. I think Six. anything below three, actually. So there have been nine times that Nick Saban has lost in Tuscaloosa. Three of them were in that first 2007 season. The All of the rest of them, the six times that Nick Saban has lost in Tuscaloosa, it's been to a future Heisman Trophy winner and a future national champion. It's been to a future SEC champion and a national runner-up. It's been to a future Heisman Trophy winner. It has been to Hugh Freeze. It has been to a future national champion and Heisman Trophy winner. I mean, the... The rarity of this victory for the Texas Longhorns is something that should be celebrated in a way where, based on power ratings, which have loved the Longhorns since going back to last year, everyone's like, why in the world is this eight-win team top 10 in the power ratings? Well, a lot of that talent is also on the team that won on Saturday night in Tuscaloosa. It's like they were falling short at the margins last year. Now they flipped it to the other side. Anything below five, I think you're just – you're you're – overthinking this by any way you approach it yeah let's like, flip it then what's the highest you could reasonably have alabama right now power rating or resume resume well, on your if ballot you this, if, if you're you putting them this, on a ballot. ballot i think 10 is too high i think Ooh. you could have them at six i've i've got them at 10 so the cbs sports 133 is getting published about right now it's our full one through 33 ranking of all the fbs teams i fill out a ballot i know tom does as well i've got alabama at 10 Ryan Aber of the Oklahoman has Alabama at five. He's I got mean, his top okay, four of Georgia. Lowest they are. If he's power rating them, I think he would take them on a neutral field over Ohio State right now, right? He, I assume he's got them over there. Yes, but if you're this doing power four. ratings, would you have Florida State and Texas ahead of them right now? Bama? He does. Definitely Texas. And I think unless Bama can throw the football better, I, I do think that Florida State – yeah, I think they'd be a small favorite over Alabama right now. Did you have Florida State? Um, so in your power ratings, you have Florida State ahead of Alabama. Yeah, Bama can't throw the football. Like the, <laughs> all, all, all of our all of our concerns from the preseason have been validated, okay. and they couldn't run the ball effectively. I think Texas is a pretty damn good defense, but like until that they can move the football through the air, you, 
you can't just assume it's going to happen. We've, we've now seen it in two games. Florida State's a more complete team. Now, look, do I think there's a chance that Bama would absolutely ragdoll Florida State's offensive line? Yeah, I do, because I saw what Wingo did to them for LSU. But still, like, quarterback play, the most important position on the field, Bama doesn't have it. That Like, Milrow, you can't win big games with him, I don't think, right, right if, now. If you're doing a poll for the 2023 season, and you've got a two-game sample size, Alabama has lost one of those two games at home by double digits. How do you rank them ahead of Penn State, Ohio State, USC, Utah, Kansas State, Notre Dame, Washington, Tennessee, Oregon, Oregon State, Ole Miss, Duke, Oklahoma, North Carolina? Alabama's lone win is against Middle Tennessee. What the hell has it done to deserve a top five ranking this year other than have the name Alabama on it? I, I think that's what you still have to It's resume versus power roster. rating. You know. But see, that that's where I think they get a massive default, like just brand, and it's deserved. I guess the same thing as having Georgia number one. But like Clemson. Clemson lost on the road to a team that won nine games last year, and they're no longer ranked. Exactly. They struggled this past weekend, and Alabama, we're still talking about them as a top-five team. Exactly. Like Alabama. That's where I think the favoritism towards the brand, the SEC. And somebody else pointed out in the chat, well, they beat a powerhouse in Texas. You're going back to the default of there's that brand. I mean, Texas hasn't been very good recently, right? I mean, it's, it's a good – like, don't get me wrong. I think Texas is back. I think they're all that – but like that is a, not a good loss for Alabama, especially considering how it ended up, and it was by double digits. So Thank you. Clemson, Clemson what? wins a bunch of national titles, but loses to a nine-win team on the road, and it's terrible. Alabama wins a bunch of national titles, loses by double digits at home to a good team, and it's still great. I think it's because of, of how they played last year and some of the lingering questions and the differences between those two two programs. But they won Let me 10 games. <laughs> Look, how they played yeah, last year. Alabama, Alabama had a chance to win that game. Like, we have big picture existential. Oh, my gosh. Texas had a seven-minute drive to ice that game. And that, like, shakes us to our core it, because of, you know, the way that that feels in terms of, uh, you know, out Alabamaing Alabama in their own house. You know, like, that's – but the in that game, Alabama had that thing cut to three – they had him in second and long. Like credit to Jordan Whittington, who came up with like a really big play to take a short pass, thirty-one yards, and be able to you know keep things moving along for Texas. And then a little bit later, you get the thirty-nine-yard moon ball, our Nissan thrilling play of the game. But like, I think that Alabama was in that game and was competitive. And there are versions of that game where Alabama wins. And that's why you don't unrank Alabama. That's why you put Alabama, yes, behind Penn State, behind Washington, and some of those teams that you mentioned. But when you get down into like Kansas State, Utah, like miss me with yeah. that. Bama I'm still, still Alabama ahead of some of those teams in yeah. the mid-teens. But you okay, you well, do have to acknowledge the quality of player and the quality of athlete on the team. And you can't watch Utah and watch Bama and think that they're the same. Like we saw fine. it with Kansas State last year in the bowl game. I will say, what's the difference between Bama and Ohio State so far? It's that Bama's played Texas and Ohio State hasn't. Both offenses have looked really sketch. Both defenses have looked really good. I, I want to ask you one question, though, bud. You mentioned that part of Clemson's evaluation is what happened last year. Clemson was 11-3 and last year. Alabama was 11-2. and They were the same team. They both had signs of things not going well. They hadn't. Alabama didn't make the playoff. They had the number one pick in the draft in Bryce Young, and they couldn't win big games against other top teams, just like Clemson. 
why is one looked at differently this year than the other, other than the fact that one's in, you know, Alabama and the other one's just a dumb ACC team? I think it's the, I think it's the ACC aspect. Like the ACC yeah, was okay. was terrible last year. Like the quality of player in the ACC was garbage last year. I really think it was a bad league. You know, I mean, like Florida State lost to most of the decent teams they played. Um, Miami clear like Miami went five and seven. North Carolina went what they went nine chip. Yeah, it was it was nine and one to start with four straight losses to conclude the season, including yeah. one to Georgia Tech. Clemson's like Clemson's twenty twenty two to me was a scam. And I think like I watched almost every game they played. I just I don't think they were very good, you know. I have. Uh, um, I'm glad you brought up North Carolina because they lost three games, four games to finish they, the it season. Was five by the end of the year, they lost to Notre five, Dame early year, 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 which yeah. is very similar to another program in Ole Miss who finished the year on a losing streak. Now this is one of those things where I'm totally kind of agree. I'm glad it, you're going here, and I'm saying yeah. something is off here. Did these people just look at the box score because? Yes, Tulane was a good win, but they did not it have not their a starting good quarterback. Well, no, that's so that's my point. So it's but brand, like they beat a team that beat USC last year that was the darling of the group of five teams, but the box score is not indicative of how that game unfolded with their backup quarterback. Tulane had Ole Miss on the ropes, and you could argue you could make a really strong case if they had Michael Pratt, they win that game, and we're supposed to be impressed where we bump up Ole Miss three spots in North Carolina who App State gave them fits last year. They're coming off the big win against North Carolina or South Carolina, which was one of the more impressive ones. They're sandwiched in between a game against Minnesota and they drop after a win, you know. And I get that was I get it was a close game and you know there's Blake, you know, a pass interference call at the end that might have had the outcome different, but treat them equally. You know, and I I get like if you were one spot off here or there, but the difference in the reaction there of you know, Ole Miss moving up three spots and North Carolina moving down four is just, it reeks of we didn't really watch the Ole Miss game or we're just giving a nod to the SEC team and, you know, because of who they are and what they've been. Uh, Danny, as somebody with a little bit of Tulane plus seven who already was in a bad <laughs> spot when Michael Pratt gets ruled out Ooh. and the fact that it's 27-20, you know, it's 17-17 and then 27-20, and then all of a sudden you're like, man, we got this. It's okay. We can get in that back door. I'm intimately aware of how close that game was versus the final score because Green Wave battled hard, but uh, but Ole Miss ends up with the 17-point win. And as Danny mentioned, up three spots while North Carolina drops four. Uh, let's, do, you, hey, do you know hey, why? Let's, do let's you know why that. Ole Miss climbs? Uh, uh, we we got it. We're going to put the SEC on trial with uh, with Judge Danny here in a pun for the review. It's nice. but I want I want to point out something else because it's not just the SEC factor of this because this is something else that I discussed when we did our offseason coach rankings. Ole Miss went ten and two in twenty twenty one. Then last year went eight and five with a worse record and lost like what five of its last six games. And in our coach rankings, Lane Kiffin climbed like eight spots into the top 25. Meanwhile, there were other coaches who had better seasons and improved on their years from the year before who dropped in our coach rankings. The reason Ole Miss gets more respect in the polls because it won is because Lane Kiffin has a lot of friends in this industry. And you know what else he is? You know what else he is? He's clever. He's fun. Mm-hmm. He's a fun follow. And that matters. That absolutely, guys, it like shouldn't, quote, it. It shouldn't, but it 100% does. No, I agree. It should not, <laughs> but it absolutely does. Nope. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to use my breath defending Lane Kiffin. I have a counterpoint, but that's just for another time. Okay. One Coming more on the, the poll? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Is Colorado right where they need to be? Lower, higher? Too low. Yeah. Based, on, gonna, based on power ranking, way too high. Based on resume, probably too low. Yeah. Like if we're going to say Texas has the best win and should be ranked much higher, Colorado's got two power five wins. Now, granted, TCU and Nebraska aren't exactly tearing it up this year, but still. Give me Colorado over Utah. Yeah, I could see that for sure. Like, I just... You told me, hey, they got the horses, dog. All right, you can you can keep them bottled up for a little bit, but it, it can't keep them bottled up for four quarters. Like the the damn that's the thing is the, the way that they play and the high end explosiveness that Colorado has. They have weaknesses, they have deficiencies, but over the course of four quarters, you're going to get worn down and they're going to start scoring touchdowns. And when it starts to get sideways, it happens fast. Yeah, and it's there's. There's a weird dispersal of the votes, too, for Colorado. Because if you look, David Jablonski, who has the name of a Saturday Night Live Chicago Bears super fan, has them ranked ninth. <laughs> but nobody else even has them higher than 12th. Like Randy Johnson has them 12th. Mike Barber has them 13th. And then from that point on, it's all 14, 15. And then most people have them ranked 20th or a little bit lower. So there's just like a very weird dispersion of where people consider Colorado. And it goes to exactly what Bud says. If you're basing on resume, they should be high. If you're basing on power rating, you might not even rank them at all. I would like to briefly discuss two teams that are towards the very bottom or like how in the world is Iowa receiving votes? They scored one offensive touchdown against Iowa state and the offense still looks terrible. Uh, and Arkansas is the second closest team to being ranked. Have you guys watched <laughs> Arkansas this year? They look terrible. Well, we know why Arkansas is there. We've discussed it. We'll continue yeah. to discuss it in a couple minutes. <laughs> Who deserves it more, to, uh, Clemson or Kansas? Would you put them in above Iowa? Kansas. I would put Kansas above Iowa, yeah. yeah me too. Also, should, a, should we rank UCLA? Win. Like UCLA is treating this this non-conference season like the preseason, just clearly. like they're They're emptying the bench. They're playing like 15 offensive linemen and 12 wide receivers in the game back-to-back. I don't know. Like, if they're going to treat it like the preseason, we should wait to rank them until we see them. <laughs> Just like, as a, like, the disrespect. I would like to see your fastball at some point, please. <laughs> like, you're, it, I mean, UCLA is, I know they play Dante more finally, and clearly on a power rating, UCLA is easily a top 20 team, but <laughs> they, they play everybody. I listen. It's it's all about the percentages, right? You know, we're just trying to just trying to be ten percent better every single but, day. Would you take so, Kansas or Iowa? Kansas. Kansas. Right now, I think I would take Kansas. Like, there's some chance McNamara because I know we missed a lot of camp. There's some chance like we have to allow for the possibility that they click. But right now, like that offense still looks bad. The um, Iowa dropping out of the rankings after Week One was really more getting jumped. They have retained their position right in the 20s, more or less, on a lot of ballots, which is why I think you see them cycle in. You see them cycle in because Texas A&M and Tulane lost. You know, like with, if all of a sudden somebody jumps up, then they could find themselves falling out again. It's going to take Big Ten wins for them to be able to not be in that tenuous position right on the edge of the top 25. Coming up on the other side, every single Monday, upon further review. And we begin with questioning something that we've always thought, and it's always been at the core of college football conversations. So upon further review, is the SEC still the best league? That and more next. 
back here on the Cover 3 podcast every single Monday. Upon further review, a chance for us to catch up on whatever we might have missed from the Instant Reaction Show. Uh, also go a little bit deeper into some topics with a little bit more time to ruminate on these. And, you know, it got a little dicey. You know, Auburn out there at the Culture War, Mississippi State, Arizona. A lot of non-conference games here for the SEC. Could have been a lot worse, but Alabama losing to Texas, though a future SEC team, it's really brought about some questions. Danny, is the SEC still the best conference in college football? Just look at Georgia. I mean, Georgia's won back-to-back national championships, and they probably look like they're going to win again now. So, yeah, clearly they're the best. I mean, they have the number one team in the country. That's what it's about is how many national championships they've won, right? And they'll probably dominate again in the NFL draft. So, without question, they're the number one conference in the country, right? You can't dispute that. Oh, wait, this year? Wait, or what are we doing this year? Because the the field, the, the goalposts keep moving depending on what year you're talking about. Like, oh, well, this is a down year for a couple of these teams. And the ACC just got hot. and They just had a couple wins. But we'll see who wins the national title at the end of the year. Yes, they're down, the SEC. And I think the, the upon further review is the SEC, and I think it comes even more specific. I think they have a quarterback problem. Like, tell me who they're t- – Top three quarterbacks are. And if you can't instantly like say, bam, 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 that's a problem. And then if we could all agree on who the number one, two, or three is, are any of those three in the top 15, maybe top 20 of quarterbacks in the country? I think they've got a problem this year, and I think it resides at that position, which is killing the conference. We, we said this in the preseason. The comment section roasted us for it. We said if these are your best quarterbacks in the league, it's not a good SEC. Jaden Daniels, should, like if he's the best quarterback in the SEC, KJ Jefferson, right? Uh, uh, the kid at Mississippi State, like that—that's not gonna cut it. Those aren't high, high-level quarterbacks, like first-round, you know, like difference maker type quarterbacks. They're just good college players. I, I think you good. nailed it, Danny. Caleb Williams. Michael Penix, uh, Bo Nix, Shadur Sanders, McCarthy, Ewers, I don't, I, Jordan I Travis. Hell, like I think Duke's quarterback would be the best quarterback in the SEC. Riley Leonard. Yes. Without looking it up. Without looking it up. Drew Lahr or the, anybody in the SEC right now. Which quarterback currently has the highest passing efficiency in the SEC without looking it up? Carson Beck. Incorrect. Oh. Danny uh, Bud. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not. Oh, uh, uh, Graham Mertz. Nope. Mm-mm. No. He's he's ninth. Carson Beck is eighth. <laughs> we weren't it's even Jackson close. Dart. It's Jackson Dart. He's the only one with a rating over two hundred. And of course, Ole Miss. You know, they, they had the Tulane win. Hey, and Jackson Dart played well. I've been mm-hmm. I've been very critical of Jackson Dart last season. I thought he was very one dimensional, and I thought he he had a good performance against Tulane. I'm I'm going to go in order of passing efficiency in the SEC so far this season of qualified players. Jackson Dart. KJ Jefferson, Spencer Rattler, Brady Cook, Jaden yeah. Daniels, Will Rogers, Jalen Milrow, Carson Beck, Graham Mertz, Connor Wegman, Peyton Thorne, AJ Swan, then Joe Milton, Jordan, and Devin Leary's in last. Coming up next on CBS, it's Jag. <laughs> 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 I mean, it's just guys. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. Like, you know, it now, might be when I, when the dust settles. I mean, I I liked what I saw out of Wegman. He made a couple mistakes, but I think if he continues yeah. to develop, he like physical tool set, he could be. But 
just the fact that we couldn't pick anybody right away. And again, I, is it top 15, top 25? I mean, there are a lot of good quarterbacks around the country that are better than what the SEC has now. It's hard to pinpoint why it is. And, you know, obviously quarterbacks can get better and there's first-year starters and there's transfers that could settle in, but it looks to be a problem early this season. I will say I thought Rattler played pretty well given Mm -hmm. how bad that team is around him. Like South Carolina has the worst offensive line in the SEC. I think it's worse than Vandy. Yeah, this this might be a Rattler redemption tour for him this season. <laughs> yeah, it'll go unnoticed because I think South Carolina will miss a bowl game now. But like they they he I thought he played pretty well. There's some chance that Carson Beck really puts it together. Like Georgia doesn't have McConkey, and uh, we'll we'll see. I, but yeah, I, I think Danny nailed it. Like they don't have real difference makers at the position. The other thing is, and I saw some people saying this, um, you know, about the demise of the SEC, which I think is overblown. I mean, I'll even admit that they're, you know, they're not going anywhere. But the transfer portal NIL market, which we thought was really all of a sudden going to consolidate the power at the top, and maybe it has with Georgia, but has that actually dispersed the talent and given others programs more opportunity at that position or just overall? No, overall in general. I don't know because like. Maybe among Power 5 teams in some ways, but the G5, P5 so far this year, the P5 has crushed the G5 yes. in most situations. Like, it, it hasn't look, – look at what Northwestern did to UTEP. Now, granted, I think UTEP quit on Dana Demel and might just be a, a dead team walking the rest of the year. But uh, – Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, but I don't know. Dana, that's, that's an interesting question. I, my thing here is, like, you know, because in that the the, histo- the the conversation historically, the SEC has always been able to amass the talent because they mm-hmm. were doing it anyway before NIL. But now all of a sudden that there's a little – and they're still spending the most money. But mm-hmm. now that there's a chance for other schools – and I'm talking Power 5 versus Power 5, not Group of 5 um, – that other schools are able to do it and you're able to you know, go out and find players and, and add them to your roster. It's actually made it tougher for the SEC to have that gap. I just think you don't just, deserve the benefit of the doubt this year if you if you're because of your non-conference performance. Like the SEC should be a one-bid league, right? Like if Georgia doesn't win the SEC title, I don't think Georgia should go to the playoff, given who's on their schedule and given the terrible performance in the non-conference from, from the SEC. Like, obviously, if you if a bunch of other conferences have two lost champs or something like that, that's different. But I don't think a one-loss Georgia should be going over a one-loss Pac-12 a one-loss ACC or a one-loss Big Ten type champ this year, or a one-loss Big 12. Is the Big Ten the next conference up? Yeah, I think because the top three. Like being able to boast of what you've got up top more than the Pac-12, which has eight teams ranked? That's a good point. I mean, I, I have my ratings that I do that exist in the vacuum that only consider anything that's happened this season. There's no prior results. To this point, through the second week of the season, the Pac-12 rates higher than the SEC. That said, I don't think that'll be the case as the season goes on. I think that back to the conversation, I th- if you look at the SEC, I still think the bottom of that league is better than the bottom of every other league in the country. Mm. But the difference is the top of the league that was so dominant this last 15, 20 years at this point that has been crushing everybody else, it's not as dominant. Georgia could still be. We haven't really seen Georgia get out of neutral at any point yet this year. And we might not see Georgia get out of neutral till the playoff or the SEC championship. You don't know. 
but it's that tier right behind it that used to be really good too that has seemingly taken a step back compared to the top teams in other programs. And I think Texas, quote-unquote, being back. USC, quote-unquote, being back. Florida State, maybe even Miami, all being back. I don't think it's a coincidence that this is all happening at the same time the other top teams in the SEC kind of seem to be sliding back down to the pack. Um, interesting question here from Kyle. Again, he jumped in. We always appreciate y'all who get the conversation early. Kyle says, is there a single team that you can say definitely will not win the SEC West? I want a season where everyone goes four and four SEC West paying homage to the ACC Coastal. I could name three teams that definitely. <laughs> yeah, I was going to yeah, say exactly. West. <laughs> Mississippi State, oh. Arkansas, Auburn. And Ole Miss. Oh, okay, well, I guess there's four because I'll say Ole Miss isn't winning it either. I, I actually could see Ole Miss if they get some guys back. Like they're they're sneaky banged right now, so I could see them. I mean, Trey Harris got hurt. Franklin hasn't played yet at all. The UTSA kid, Prescorn, was the best tight end of the transfer portal. The kid from Memphis, and he's out two to four more weeks. I think they got a, a lineman down right now. So I. I will still take Alabama and LSU versus the field. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, what yeah. you are not going to throw Texas A and M in that conversation? I, no. I would. I like. I like and I almost feel not too bad about A and M because of what we saw Same. from their offense. I think there's fixable issues that they can adjust. And it was. You a, think I think Miami might be really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like. See, I mean, what that was are a they going to wild the, hire? What other quarterback are they going to face that's even close to Tyler Van Dyke? That's the thing. You know, I, like I, the re- I, remaining schedule, they don't. I mean, is it Joe Milton? Is it, you know, who else do they face? That's like a one that scares you. If I Texas out of that game. doesn't blow it in the red zone like two to three times and cough the ball up, I mean, I, they were they were right there in that game. It just kind of got sideways from them in the last like seventeen to twenty minutes. If Texas a- doesn't get handed through. the ball at the fifteen in the nine yard line, they don't score two of their touchdowns either. Like. I, I, my takeaway from that game was that Miami did a lot more to make Texas A&M stick around in that game than Texas A&M ever did. Agreed. Texas A&M like, was completely outclassed in that. That should have been a blowout. Like Texas yeah. A&M's back seven looked like they weren't coached at all. I, I, I mean, yeah. seriously, like just how many times were Miami's guys wide open down the field? A lot. I mean, that was. I, I thought that the, at the new coordinator Miami got from Houston did a great job of, of just like he had the chalk and DJ Durkin was told to like sit down. Because like, I'm about to teach you how this goes, and and he did. Like that was, they made it simple for Van Dyke, and Van Dyke, I did it and hit it with big time throws. That was that was pretty impressive. However, I mean, you can't totally rule them out because injuries and stuff happen, and they do get Bam at home. There's some chance that LSU has bad culture stuff right now, and like that continues, and they don't get it together. So I guess you have to include them in the list. But see, the thing about AM though is, you know, Bobby Petrino is calling the plays. It looks like the same damn offense. They're still running a bunch of short little crossing routes all the damn time. It's, I don't know. It looks exactly the same to me. I think Wegman has got potential if he gets unleashed, but I just don't trust that he's going to get unleashed. What would you guys have done? Fourth and two, seven yard line, you're up seven in the first quarter. Because I they settled for the field goal. They settled right. for the field goal, took it. They went up 10 nothing. Miami came like right back. I would have, I would, that was one where I was like, man, you had a chance to take control of that game, go up 14 nothing. You settled hey. for the points. I was wondering if that was Jimbo almost stepping in and saying, nope, we're gonna do, you know, we're gonna do this. We're gonna make sure we get the points. 
I thought they could have really taken control of that game and put Miami, you know, on their heels a little bit more than they did. They had Jimbo already. Cristobal Go ahead. Was a hilarious matchup of like yes. timeout management, fourth down management. Just uh, Jimbo routinely scores in like the bottom tenth percentile in terms of, of making the correct decision: punt, kick, go. Like he just a- almost always botches this. Now, if he thought it was going to be a really low-scoring game, I do think that kicking the field goal is defensible. However, he should have superior knowledge that his secondary sucks because he gets to face <laughs> that secondary in practice every day. Like, there's really no way in his mind he's like, yeah, we're going to hold these guys to 20 after seeing what we saw. Like, Jimbo has to be seeing that in practice, right? Or at least Petrino needs to be in his ear. Like, hey, we, we called that third down like we were going to have four downs to work with here. Hey, you really think this, this defense is going to do anything? Because, like, we see him in practice every day. The secondary sucks. They're not really well coached. That's where, like, you botched it because you should know what your own defense is. Yeah, like, they they had already taken the air out of that stadium with that blocked punt and then getting the touchdown. Like, that place was in the on the precipice of being an absolute mausoleum if Texas A&M goes for it there and scores another touchdown. That's what I thought. And Miami answered, gets right back in the game. And, you know, we give Miami fans a lot of crap. Or at least Bud does. But I will say that Hard Rock Stadium during that game was very loud and very into it. There was a definite atmosphere there that you haven't really seen at many Miami games in recent years. You'll see it for big ones. Mm -hmm. Um, This was from M. Trill. West Texas Crude is sitting at almost $90 a barrel. Just need everyone here to fill up their gas tanks two or three more times to support your friendly Texas A&M Oil Boosters buyout fund. What's the the coaching carousel going to look like? Urban to College Station. Oh, please. I tell you what. If we've got a program that just has dysfunction, the D in DNA stands for dysfunction at Texas A&M. And if we can just introduce some Urban Meyer to the equation, woo! Yes. Yeah. Content for days, baby. Let's go. Um, what From week two or week one and week two, what are some other uh, potential, you know, hot seat coaching carousel type situations that uh, that might be popping up? We mentioned it briefly on Saturday night, but Dana's hot seat is scorching right now. It has to be. He, they lost to Rice. There's just no other way to describe that other than you are in serious trouble. I, I think Neil Brown has a chance this weekend in the backyard brawl to to make his seat about as cold as possible. Like, I don't know that West Virginia really has the money to fire him. And if, if like, I thought they showed well against Penn State. I know, I know they didn't recover, but like, Relative to the kind of talent you can get at West Virginia with, with their NIL situation right now, um, how that roster got plucked over, I, I I think they showed well. If they can beat Pitt, they can beat Pitt. Yeah, yeah. Pitt looked terrible. So, speaking of which, upon further review, Bub means eleven targets, zero catches. They're not really in sync right there on offensive Pitt uh, right mm-hmm. now, as, as that stat I think shows. So, um, what Pitt? Is all about you know the way that that program has been built out is you know, we're going to win at the line of scrimmage and and we're going to be able to to run the football and stop the run. They allowed uh, five sacks and eight tackles for loss against Cincinnati and Cincinnati is it Kiner is that his name right the running back. yeah the yeah, running back goes for a buck twenty three on like eighteen carries Cincinnati went into an AFC North battle in the big old mustard bottle and whomped up on Pitt at the line of scrimmage. 
causing all kinds of problems for the, I mean, it was, I, I came out of that one. Yes. With big notes for Pitt, but also my, my reckless assumption that Cincinnati was going to be the worst team in the big 12. I thought that was an impressive win. I, to be able to go in there and beat Pitt at their own game. I was, that was strong stuff from the Bearcats right there. Who is Pitt's quarterback? Uh, Phil Dracovic. Where'd he come from? Uh, Boston College. Is Jeff Halfley still coaching Boston College in October? Uh, I don't know about October, but not 2023. Because this is a team that started off the season with a three-point loss to Northern Illinois, which then went and lost to Southern Illinois on Saturday. And no, while not- at the same time, Boston College was beating Holy Cross, whipping their ass 31-28. to They've got Florida State coming to town this weekend. After that, they're going on the road to Louisville. This is a team staring 0-4 dead in the face. Is BC the type to do the midseason firing? I don't know. I don't know. But Maybe not, but uh, they I mean, definitely will after. Yeah, it does just <laughs> I mean, does Holy Cross players just were trash talking. Holy Cross players were trash talking after a loss. Mm-hmm. They were like, we didn't even belong on the field, and we almost beat you. They supposed to be ACC. <laughs> uh, Jeff says, when do we start talking about Dave Aranda's seat being hot? Now? Sure. Right? <laughs> I mean, like, it seems like you have the game won, then Robertson throws a really, really bad interception. Mm-hmm. You know, Utah is able to score a couple times late and kind of steal that win, but... 0-2 with losses to Texas State and a blown lead to Utah and not a lot of signs that this Baylor team like I, is going to be able to be like Baylor against Cincinnati. Overreaction is I would probably take Cincinnati to win that football game. It's mm. on the road. Uh, That's a nipper. They get Long Island this weekend. A loss to Texas is obviously pretty excusable because you don't really expect to beat a, a good Texas team. I think the good thing for Baylor is like AM lost and Texas Tech is 0 2. We don't really see a lot of cactus emojis on, on, on Twitter right now. And TCU looks like a dumpster fire. So the non Texas programs in that state right now in the Power Five have not looked very good. Um, so and SMU lost, obviously, to Oklahoma. There's really no, no shame in that. They get UCF next. I don't know if you guys saw this, but right before UCF kicked that field goal, uh, John Rice Plumley was yeah, tackled in a really Yeah. And like watch him limp like crazy on the final two handoffs. Like he can't move. And I I know they're gonna make some kind of announcement or further uh, update today, but I think there's a non zero chance that you're gonna get to play UCF without uh without but his throwing arms fine, so who cares? Well I might <laughs> uh, have two picks in that game too. <laughs> Iowa State looks terrible, obviously. Um I mean, you get Houston at home. I mean, they could they could be like five and three to start the year, just on. Schedule. I would bet I mean, against that. Me too. Yeah, I, that is them playing maybe not to peak efficiency, but at least to something that is expected. And I think that this is going to be a team that performs below expectations. Based on when did they get shaped back? Three. It was supposed three to be weeks. three to four weeks. Yeah. I will say, I know we mentioned it, but like, seriously, shout out to Neil Brown in that we were already firing him all off season. And now we're in the second week of the season. And it's like, is he even on the hottest seat in the big 12 anymore? No, he's not even on like the second <laughs> hottest seat in the big yeah. 12 anymore. Good Houdini for you, Brown, Brown out here. 
Neil Brown, big winner. Come on the Cover 3 podcast so you can celebrate with us. Coach of the Month nomination for the month of September. Um, all right, what else do we want to have uh, upon further review? Where where do y'all want to turn the attention? Uh, I we, we just touched on a little bit. I finally had a chance to go see what happened during that Utah-Baylor game while I was in HQ that I missed everything that happened, and that was wild. I also... I wanted because I paid. I, I had planned to pay more attention to this game on Saturday because it was so terrible, but I didn't really. I I, I watched Northwestern UTEP, <laughs> and uh, Northwestern explosive offense, explosive. Like, let's see, the, they had the plays of eighty-five yard touchdown that I think was a you know maybe a, a yard behind the line of scrimmage, but still it was like they were busted out big plays. It was very good. It was a very good sign for Northwestern considering how terrible they looked against Rutgers. They did not look that bad against UTEP. So there we go. An upgrade for Northwestern, a downgrade for UTEP coming out of that game. Classic two-way adjustments. Oh, can we get a drive for 325 uh, update here? Oh, yeah, let's do it. Brian Ferentz trying to get 325 points, averaging 25 Long points. Behind. All right, bud. These are my projections that they need to hit in every single game in order to get to that that 25 point per game average. Now, I asked David Eicholt of, uh, of our Iowa 24-7 sports site, and he thinks that the bowl game is included in this, so that they do need to average it. Like, they need to, to, win, to win seven ball games, which means you make a bowl, uh, and then also – Average it through the bowl game. So I've, I've included that here. Uh, so 20 was my target number for them to hit against Iowa State. Thanks to a pick six, they did hit that 20. Now, next week, Western Michigan is a team that likes to play fast. This is probably the last chance they're going to have to really run it up on somebody until maybe early November. Right. I kind of think if you want that cushion, if you if you want to have like feel good on, on Halloween – you kind of need to drop a 50 bomb here on uh, on Western. What if, what if they get beat Penn State like 17 to three and their offense struggles, but oh. they run the table and they go 11 and one? And because I mean, look at the rest of their schedule. Like, is there any team that you look at now, especially what happened with Wisconsin? Like, that's going to be a tough out. But like, you could see that scenario almost unfolding. It's I not still think that crazy. Win the West. Right, is that is that clause? Is there any like uh, a, you know a second clause that says this is off the table if we are division champs or we play in the Big Ten championship? I mean, they could just hire him with a new contract. Like, there's yeah, they could rehire him. They they could rehire him. Like, there's there is just sort of I think good. even Iowa fans would probably they would be waiting in the weeds for the next time around, but they would probably be like, oh, okay, yeah, we're all right. Also, apparently, too, McNamara is really banged up. And you told me that, right, bud? You've been all over that. Where, you know, if he's that hurt and they're really trying to protect him and just get wins early, you know, that could be a problem. Two questions. Yes. Is that leopard or cheetah, bud? Because you look good in it. I just, you know, maybe. <laughs> I think I think that's leopard. That, that, is that, that Ferris was, Bueller? Is that yeah. Ferris Bueller? Uh, yes. It is, yeah. Yes. Ma- Magadow's creative team did that. It was, it was fantastic. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um. Yeah, I'm gonna say if you don't get if you don't put a four a forty on the scoreboard against Western Michigan, things are gonna get really dicey because no matter what's happening at Michigan State, um, I 
I don't see them being able to hit some of these numbers right now. And Bud updates this, by the way, every single week, yeah. redispersing the points, right? We, so, we redistribute the points that Iowa did not score. So, like, the bid on this is we'll do this every week. And if they continue to mess around, like, they needed to score 42 by my numbers on, on Utah State, and they scored 24. So I had, I had to move around 18 points and spread them around a little bit. So the bowl game I had to change from, like, 17 to 20. And Northwestern, I think, was, like, 31, went to 34, you know, I put another field goal on Western Michigan, but some of these just, it feels disingenuous, but it's going to be pretty hilarious when it's like, all right, as long as they score 72 points on Nebraska in the final week, Brian Ferentz or Ferentz is totally fine. When they good job for Brad for pointing out, like, I don't know how it works, but there was they do, a pick they six. do count. They do count. They do. Defensive yeah. So it's oh, Cooper yeah. DeGene with punt return <laughs> touchdowns and pick sixes saving Brian Ferentz's job. I was going to start running like trap coverage on every play, and they're going to start giving up 40 and then you get like three pick sixes a game and still win. I will say, after they finish with only 35 points against Western this week and you need to disperse that 10 more points, you could, based on what I've seen, you can add more points to the projections against Wisconsin and Illinois this year. Mm. Yeah. Although, you don't think Illinois' secondary will be kind of solved by that time? Yeah, but I don't I mean, yes, but I just it's eh. <laughs> vibes. Listen, man, you just had to go into Lawrence and deal with Jalen Daniels. Like it's I understand it's it's a rough and raw time right now for the I had a very people. rough football weekend. Like my, oh. my bets went well, but just my my teams did not. So <laughs> let's get Tom's updated uh, thoughts on can you fix quarterback accuracy and processing speed? <laughs> not when you don't have an offensive line that can give him more than one and a half seconds to do it. No. <laughs> um, anything else uh, that we want to hit here in a pun for the review? Somebody asked if we, if we would do a Knowles to go. I've said often that um, Florida state front running is not when I want to do Knowles to go. It is way more fun on the climb up. And then when, if things are a little bit shaky, you know, just when they're just dominating people, no, no one's like really worried about where the vibes are in Knowles to go, but we'll see. We, we might recapture it. We did a lot did of you see anything in that Southern Miss game that convinced you that this team is back? <laughs> the freshmen are playing. Stop negatively recruiting Mike Norvell. <laughs> yeah, my, my, Mike played the freshman, the, the, the true freshman, 275 snaps in that game. So, uh, he, quick he question definitely... previewing uh, Wednesday's show. Mm -hmm. What the heck are we doing for big game breakdown? <laughs> uh, we can throw darts at the board. Are we throwing darts at the Because Danny's not in the slack. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll text you. Yeah, we've uh, we've got we've got uh, some creative ways to approach week three. Nice. That, that might include uh, you know, just taking a new angle at uh, at looking at the slate. Good. Just get Love get it. yourself ready for it. <laughs> Little game look ahead this week on cover three. <laughs> I said I said one time I said medium game breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. All right. We will be back on Wednesday. Small game, medium game, big game. We're breaking it down. That's right. Our big game breakdowns and much more from across college football. So come hang out Wednesday, 11 a.m. Eastern time to do it live. And you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. You can follow him at Danny Canale. You can follow him at Bud Elliott 3 Follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. See like you. Like the video.